Hello and welcome to the No Holes Barred Witchcraft podcast, which is recorded in the past, technically, isn't it? It's currently halfway in the present and a little bit in the past, but also a little bit in the future, our future, but not their future. In reality, they'll be experiencing this little snippet of the past. And I wonder what people are doing right now, Chris. The 29th of January, 2023, it's 16.13, right? 13 minutes past four, obviously British time. I wonder what they're all doing. Some of them will be asleep in, I expect. Some of them will be maybe, well, Sunday, so maybe they might be working. I wonder if any of them will be praying. Oh, that'd be interesting. interesting. Do you mean proper praying or do you mean like begging some deity to do something? Oh, begging. Well, praying is kind of begging. I, I would imagine a one or two of them will be a praying praying. Some of them will be lighting incense and candles to plastic statues. One or two of them might even be doing the flogging style praying, which I always find quite interesting. You know, like the Opus Day lot where they get whips and that and they, oh, Lord, I am not worthy, you know, hit themselves with them and that. Chastise themselves, do they call it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is an episode that I made the mistake of asking someone what we should name the episode or what we should do the episode on. I was thinking maybe, you know, we're doing consultations at the moment. Uh, I wanted a nice, easy topic. As it turns out, we're not going to have a nice, easy topic. We're probably going to have one of those head fuck t- topics. A little bit. That's of fine. We're due one, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking about time. We are due one. It's time for a head fuckery topic. So, faces which of them all, what would we like to talk about in regards to time and witchcraft and a magic? Or should I just ask random questions? You can ask random questions, and then if they're really good, I suppose we could, on the crossover point into the naughty zone, um, we might be able to add some extra bonus stuff that we weren't normally going to talk about but i'm thinking we might be able to squeeze that in the naughty zone oh i think we should start referring to it as the naughty zone instead of the watershed (laughs) i think that's way more exciting (laughs) right okay first question the many uh, ceremonial magicians and people that work in a ritualistic style setting for magical purposes they often talk about time displacement and time slowing down and changing whilst in a ritual. For example, famous examples include from other magical practitioners of the past, when you know you're doing it, you're casting your little Wiccan circle, all right, yeah, or you're doing some sort of, you know, one of those lesser Keir Solomon type shits, there's a triangle and a circle involved. Either way, there's some various shapes involved and calling out and wand waving and such and what mm-hmm. happens is all the clocks around where the wand wavings happen around the circle and the geometric shapes and that they all just stop chris whereas all the ones that are further outside of the circle and various you know around the house or the building they all carry on going does time just stop what up with that how does these rituals affect mechanical clocks and time is it just the clocks there are stopping or is it the actual time there are stopping well 
It depends on it depends on how uh, how accomplished the practitioner is. I, I guess is going to be my um, elitist answer. Um, but a more in depth answer would be the case of there is a certain amount of time bending within a confined space. So it doesn't mean lots of people think about kind of bending time. They think of Superman, don't they? And they think of the whole world experiencing this. Mm. Whereas because obviously um, time is a construct, uh, you know, a constraint. No, why can't I say the word right? Yeah, constraint of um, of three dimensional living. Uh So it's a resistance point of that. That kind of experience of pushing into the fourth, which is what we do a lot of the time as practitioners, is Mm. kind of blurring that line between the third and fourth dimension. Mm. Um, Kind of means that actually you can experience the lack of time or time stopping without it impacting anybody else around you. Mm. Um, And I think most people don't think of time as this kind of liquid, that kind of fluid state that can have something doing over here that isn't going on the rest of the world. Um, Yes, time is a word, like the word love, but you wouldn't want to fuck your grandmother, would you? But you still love her. Because it's a different type of love. The love you might have for a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Versus grandma or granddad. It's a different type of love, isn't it? Right? Now, I think what people confuse is they think time. And they think one very specifically. That time is time. And I think that time is a word and we need to think about why we're using that word and how we use that word. Because time, many people say time doesn't exist, when in reality here, in this physical plane, time does actually exist. It's actually a thing. It is a thing. Um, But it's also a perception as well, kind of like a lens. So the way we perceive time and the way that we measure time and time itself in terms of the laws of physics or the laws of reality here. I think those three things are technically different, but we mm. still use the same word to describe them. Yeah. So to go proper basics and answer your question again, now that they've mm. had that mind expanding ex- process go on, um, to answer your question simply, it would be a case of, well, the clock may appear to stop one that is your you know your perception of that stopping mm. um the second part is the clock is constant the cut you know the clock is timed in that kind of constant way in the third dimension so you moving into that kind of fourth shift means doesn't mean that that's going to stop going forward the difference mm. is your perception of it stopping in quote unquote marks um is is a perception thing so therefore it stopped but it only stopped for you i've worked in jobs where i've looked at the clock and i get off at half past 11 and yet 29 minutes past 11 it feels like fucking hours right 
Now, is that the fact that the this time has just stopped, or is that just my perception of watching the clock? A minute really does feel like multiple minutes. Yeah. So perception or magic? Perception, perception. magic, the magic of perception, or something else? All of the above. The um, the biggest part will always be your perception of time, is yeah. how your brain is processing, because for you that's your experience of it. That's why on a good day, when they say, you know, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what's that thing they people say about fun and time? My brain won't work today. Fun and time. Oh, yeah. Um, time flies when you're having fun. That's the one I was after. So in in that instance, it is, you know, you're enjoying the reality of something. Therefore, it speeds up. I find when I'm listening to music, mm. time flies faster. The main reason for that is um, you're involved in that kind of sensory experience. And therefore, you're not watching time. Uh, what's that one they say about kettles? A watched kettle never boils or something like that? A watched kettle never boils. Yeah, I've never that heard one. that one. Um it's uh, talking about that if you're if you're focused on something time goes really really slow i've noticed this when i get people to do de dead hangs in the gym where they have to hold and and hang from a bar only for a minute oh my gosh or a plank it feels yeah. like hours they often yeah. tell me but in i've used a mechanical device that tells me and it does the counting so i'm not even counting slow like one Mississippi a P a P, two Mississippi a P a P. Like that's a little bit longer, you know. Adds yeah. extra minutes on the end. But no proper mechanical timer, you know, little stopwatch like. And it is only a minute, but it does feel like a lot more than a minute. Okay, sometimes I don't tell them when the minute's gone. I just see how long they can last for. But I'm like that. Do you think your time's like that, Chris? But yeah, it's just your perception of it. Like for me. I love public speaking. So mm. for me, the adrenaline's rushing and therefore you're like, oh, shit, I've just done 20 minutes of talking. I was only supposed to talk for 15. Um, and then everybody else um, who kind of like shits themselves when they're going to have to speak publicly, that it, those 15 minutes are the uh, hours long because they're so freaked out by it because their heart's pumping and therefore the time between each because obviously i think it's safe to say that there is a lot to do in this physical realm with the speed of your heartbeat mm. and how you perceive time i think as pe as your heart rate starts to race your it impacts your understanding of time in the same way that normally what's going on at that same time is adrenaline is rushing in some way shape or form um, so I think those combinations of things skew your experience of time because of the, what's going on with you physiologically. Mm. I personally can't relate. I never ramble on about anything. Oh, sure. That's why you have an entire series called Ramblings, yeah? Yeah, but they're also less than an hour. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so... Um, what about this thing like where there's a magic and such that's linked to time because astrology is kind of linked to alignments and that 
right? Mm -hmm. And you can see that that's alignments with planets and comets and all that jazz, right? But there's a lot of urban legends and, you know, if you believe half of the horror films, the devil comes a visit in it three minutes past three o'clock in the morning or something, don't it? Or there's a witch in there and stuff. That's witch, not really yeah. linked to a specific planetary alignment. That's linked to the clock, isn't it? And the clock yeah. varies. So in like the devil turns up, he got to wait until what, three o'clock in the morning or something? What up with that? So there is a mixture of ways of kind of looking at it, which is that um, there's, um, again, it comes down to this thing, perception. But so there are socially known, I'm going to use this term very loosely, facts, um, mm. which is where something has a tendency to, so like, what's that, um, what's that common, like, you're most likely, more likely to be struck by lightning in a red really car. Um, and you just kind of like, well, the reason for that is there are more red cars. Mm. Um, but the experience hasn't changed. People just remember there are more people that have had accidents in red cars or have mm. had a certain occurrence happen in red cars. So all they remember is that part, like with um, how we forget why we hang horseshoes up. Is that kind of like it's part of that cultural social memory um, and therefore has that, therefore has a reaction to you. So like, you know, the witching hour being at 3am is one of those things that will have be, been based on, there are enough stories that have talked about it. So then that then itself becomes a trope and they have to use that trope when they create a new movie um, mm. or a new story because it's a commonly accepted um, fact that that's yeah, like where nursery those things happen. Like nursery rhymes. A lot of people make up bullshit about the origin of nursery rhymes, mm. like ring around a rosy, pocket full of posy, and all that about the plague. When this is not as bullshit, it's nothing to do with the plague or nothing, because that was around before the plague came along. In that, they can prove it by science. And that, I know, I watched a documentary about telling me about nursery rhymes that were to do with the plague, and then I watched another one that was about nursery rhymes that weren't to do with the plague and that all these documentaries that talk about nursery rhymes to do with the plague are all bullshit. Fascinating. Anyway, I can't remember where I was going with this, but we'll carry along the thing with nursery rhymes and that. And that you'll hear about people talk about, oh, three o'clock in the morning, you see, that's the witches. The witches hour at 12 o'clock or three o'clock in the morning for the demons hour. That's just because, you know, all of those witches witchcraft being illegal you had to go and creep into the woods when everyone else was asleep and that hmm. you know we know this because of such and such such and such and the smugglers used to do it in the dead of night and all this sort of thing it was like hmm. well there's some anecdotal evidence towards that but really i tend to think that an asshole's an asshole for multiple reasons not just one and that this whole thing about three o'clock in the morning being a somewhat magical or sinister time is probably more than just one reason i would yeah. guess yeah, I would say probably my thoughts have always been the witching hour is there because it's a it's a chat about thresholds. Mm. So some people will say midnight, others will yeah. say three. And the mm. difference being is that midnight has that kind of it's not today, it's tomorrow threshold. Yeah. Um, and the 3 a.m. is normally that strange time between um, 
the the night time and dawn because somewhere somewhere about there will be that crossover you know it'll be that threshold time mm. um it's like the concept of all dancing uh, naked on a full moon well you wouldn't do it on a new moon would you because you wouldn't be able to enjoy seeing each other without having lots of lights um so it makes more sense for gatherings to be on the full moon because mm -hmm. you don't have to take a light source with you mm -hmm. um and the, the night is clear like you know there are all these parts of it that it'll always go back to the same thing liam that we constantly talk about which is survivalist mm, process yeah. and magic and is logic logic is dictates that you would do it that time because that would be the most available time mm. so to go kind of back to the idea dark moon chris dark moon doing the bad stuff on the dark moon because then you don't want them to see you do you exactly no you know, like those aren't nat that you know. That's a natural alignment, and I think uh, the reason I wanted to go back to what you said about astrology mm. is you already because you can't not say it that way. Um, is it's not about time; it's about alignment, which are very different. So, mm. astrology talks about is all about these goal times and the whole picture of a natal chart. And exploring a natal chart is about trigger points it's about times at which these things will align and therefore the outcome will most likely be x is all based on that concept of alignment people talk about it as time but we're not talking about time that's why all the great um kind of seers of the olden days used to say when the such and such happens this will happen that's why all those amazing kind of movie spells are like on a blood moon or whatever is because there is normally that kind of timing aspect that's applied is not about time it's not this will happen two years from now it'll be when this blood blood moon uh re returns or such and such uh conjunction occurs is because that's the only way to really pinpoint a time period accurately would be to say when this certain phenomena you know returns and happens you know when you look at a natal chart and we talk about things like um saturn's return it is a very specific period that's based on where where saturn was when you were born um, you know, we're coming back to when that then aligns again, the chaos will assume or or the good thing will happen is based on that fact of we're waiting for that alignment to re return. Um, because actually, the only way you can really measure time is movement. Mm. Now, let's be controversial here, OK? Because I have certain feelings towards this topic and I don't know what evidence there is for it, but I know that there are some practitioners that side with me and others that don't. I want to see if you side with me or not. Is the witching hour the middle of the night or is the witching hour the middle of the night? <laughs> I.e. is the witching hour when the clock goes zero zero dot dot zero zero twelve a.m or is it the middle of the night so when it starts getting dark sunset then sunrise directly between that which obviously isn't necessarily 12 o'clock at night is it 
Hmm. What would you say the witching hour is? Well, I think I've already agreed with you a few minutes ago when I explained why those two things are there, um, is that it's about threshold. So if mm. you're going for the middle of the night yeah. or, or midnight, yeah. it should be between sunrise yeah. and sun... I went to say sunfall. That's a weird one. Um, I like a sunfall. You know? So, yes, I don't, I don't think it's not difficult. You've got to remember as far as I, you know, as far as we remember, mm. um, pre-clock, mm. um, the middle of the night was, was anywhere between. Um, so actually you would base that based on, you know, where a certain um, celestial body was or whatever was visible. Um or where the moon was, if you could see it, um, was that where you would calculate the middle of the night because you weren't be able to gonna check your watch. I think mm. nowadays we've aligned everything with what our idea of time is. Yeah. Um, Even when it's wrong. And they just very wrong. Calendar, don't they, a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Oh, things are starting to go awry. I know. We'll go back a couple of We'll go back an hour or we'll go forward an hour or what have you. Mm. Oh, it winds me right up. Especially the one where I get less time in bed. Well, the thing is, technically, you you know, technically you don't. No. But it's this, it's all this, this need to standardise things. Mm. Um, and I don't feel like you would need to standardize anything i suppose in the in the the um the modern world now where people do rituals via webcam um i suppose you do need to know exactly what time you're going to meet up um whereas in the old you know olden days we would rural, just say rural i'll pop by later yeah you know we're in city life you have to give them like a specific time don't you you know, it's all buzz in the city. In a rural area, it's all quite slow, isn't it? Now, have you heard of this concept of pagan time? And is it being used as an excuse to show up late for talks and yeah. workshops and such? Yeah. Where the yeah. fuck does that come from? Again, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? So um, <laughs> people that tend to walk around in velour all day and wear unnecessarily amounts of patchouli um, are not really caring about time because they tend to be slovenly individuals or mm. uh, free-thinking folk, which I think mm. is what the other tried to call them, um, means that, yes, culturally, it's now ac acceptable for uh, pagan to, pagans to be late, uh, mm. this concept of pagan time. Um, which I've only, you know, you've only really heard, I suppose, about in the last kind of 10 years. But it's culturally, within their culture, is considered to be pagan time. But I'm I'm of the feeling, anyway, that I've always used the term fashionably late. I arrive mm. exactly when I intend to arrive, not a moment before. Mm. Um, Whereas I just don't give a shit. <laughs> So you, you know. turn up. I I I tend to dislike being early for things. 
don't know if yeah. you've noticed. I just like being early for things. So what I tried to do is I tried to time things. So if I have to meet someone at 12, I meet someone for 12. And there's always traffic and stuff. But I would much rather get there at 12 or a little bit late than early. I don't like being early. I don't particularly like being early. The only thing I'm ever early for are kind of interviews. Mm. Um, but that's more out of a panic. Okay. Of the, you know, something is guaranteed to go wrong when you need mm. to be somewhere. Um, or like if you're after, you know, trying to get to a train, suddenly that's that's when chaos will ensue um, and the buses won't turn up or something won't turn up or there's loads of traffic. Um, when you need to be somewhere, that's exactly when you're most likely to not be there on time because something's gone wrong. Those mm. are the days that I prepare purely by going early. Mm. So there's a margin of error. Now, as a magical practitioners and such, we obviously travel and experience things outside of time and also in places and experience things where time is not as, let's say, strict, right? Mm -hmm. So we've experienced eternities and such like that before, you know, that kind of thing. However, from a, a logical perspective, when teaching, I tend to find we need to shift people's view from time to solids, how solid something is, right? So yes. when I think about if I'm going, you and me, right, if we're going to go to some water park, right, and we're going to go down a log flume, right, yeah, if we go down that log flume, right, say we're halfway down the log flume, right, right, we're now only really experiencing the thing that we're experiencing in the present. We know that we're going to get to the bottom of the log room, right? But we haven't got there yet. And we know we've been at the top of the log room, right? And we remember waiting for a little bit as well. Now, people put, I think, more emphasis on the past as being solid. So because they remember and have a memory of waiting in line and queuing to get on the log room, right? getting in the little blow up what is it little blow up boat or whatever or dinghy or whatever it is and then going down and then experiencing the adrenaline of what they're currently doing which is halfway down the log room right they put more emphasis on that past being solid and the future is really rather solid also the fact that they're going to get to the bottom of that without really much altering gravity but people don't think of life like that. People don't think of things like that. And I notice that when people plan spell work specifically or people plan magical rituals and such like that, they don't take into account of the solidity of the and nature of the work and the energy that they're using and particularly what they're trying to affect, right? You notice this or is it just me? Yeah, does he? Um, I'm trying to think how I put it. Because humans are used to the past and they think the past is yeah. not changeable and very solid, but they don't see this future as being solid either. They see it as a great uncertainty. I don't think psychics and witches really view the future as uncertain. What I think we tend to experience things and see things from a psychic level is how solid an outcome is. 
yeah. and how much how heavy you can lift how much you know what solid thing can you get over or destroy or break or alter that kind of thing which we obviously understand getting that through to the beginners is really 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 difficult but anyway we're about to go over to extra time actually yeah so, um, so I, I normally explain that one by uh, trying to distinguish between fate and destiny uh, um, yeah. and that's about the only way that i can really explain that but again it goes back to perception but i'll talk to that when we cross the, that that threshold into naughty zone i guess or does that mean we're going to get to talk about the fates in naughty zone we can do if you so wish oh good because there's fates but there isn't necessarily um destinies is there are there free destinies i've not no. heard of free destinies i've heard of the spirit spirit spear of destiny um but yeah we're gonna have to have that conversation about the difference between destiny and fate and all that jazz but anyway, that's it for the regular edition of No Holds Bar Witchcraft Podcast. You can tune in to the extended edition by going to the Thoth Mystery School website, I think now. Oh, yay. If you're not already there. Right, so we're in extra time. I suppose let's start with, we're talking time and such, greater, lesser times. What the fuck is the difference between fate and destiny? Because most people get very funny and look down on those that do not understand that fate and destiny may be different things yeah so it differs it differs from kind of culture to culture and kind of you know different people explain it different ways i like to oversimplify the matter because mm. i think that's that's easier to um kind of play with once they've got a simple context construct down so I consider things to be that are kind of fated as mm -hmm. things that are less movable, kind of sticking with your concept of solid and less solid. Um, there is that kind of point of fated things are kind of almost unavoidable. But I don't consider fate to be something that happens in a singular lifetime. Mm. So people struggle with that concept of going, well, you can, well, I didn't do this in their slide time. I said, yeah, so you'll come back and do it next time. Um, is more is more that concept of fate is that they are kind of milestones that must be met. Um, whereas I consider destiny to be the slightly more flexible one. Fle mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, if, if the milestone is fate, destiny is the road at which you take to get there. There are multiple routes you could take but ultimately you will get to that milestone, um, whether you like it or not. Now, mm -hmm. it's that part that people, most people have trouble with, is this concept of uh, they have no choice. Now, mm. to me, this goes back to that con that thing we talk about a lot, which is that you set the milestones. Mm. Um, so you don't get to complain about the fact that they are fated in mm -hmm. that sense. So... Um, you know, they are part of that concept of going, you agreed to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Those things are fated. Mm -hmm. It's, co you know, contract at that point. Um, whereas people tend to like the idea, particularly in the West these days, because they misunderstand karma as this kind of, you know, cause and effect arrangement of, I was naughty last time, so um, so I'm going to get punished by these these fates. So 
I think the reason people are very bad with this um, kind of stems back to our kind of misunderstanding in the kind of neoclassical period here, where we've retold those Greek stories um, over and over again until the point that they no longer make sense. So there is that concept in the Greek world of having the Mori, you know, the fates. Um, it, they're not the only one. You can talk to most uh, cultures and they'll have some kind of weaver normally um, or spinner that is there to create a thread that is to be followed. Um, and again, it will come down to solidity. Those threads that are deities are harder to cut through. There is those kind of, but, you know, anybody knows anything about spinning is that can have a big, uh, you know, parts of it have more or less density mm. as it's being created, or you can put multiple threads together in order to make, uh, make a thicker, a thicker yarn mm. occurring. So like in those moments, you've got that density can be flexible, depending on what it is. Mm. Um, so to me, that that's that destiny bit. That's where you've got multiple roads, but ultimately there are certain things that you have agreed to do um, and therefore must. Now, I'm hoping that that kind of gives that part back to say. Um, you then also talk about other other groups of beings um, like the Furies, etc., or the Harpies. They're all out there to kind of, um, you know, punish those that stay off the line. Uh, mm. for too long uh, and don't get back onto the line uh, which I think is where a lot of this kind of western idea of karma comes from the kind of cause and effect the kind of do wrong and wrong will happen to you and then that's kind of got corrupted more and more and more by kind of um, Abrahamic schools of thought that have kind of solidified that um, what I find particularly interesting is is that Again, it all comes down to this kind of perception of time and what what is occurring. Um, I think thinking about a memory is a very interesting one. This mm. concept of, well, yes, people talk about the past as if that's happened. It's happened, it's fixed, it's solid, it can't be changed. All those kind of because they see it linearly um, mm. in this kind of third dimensional experience means that the past is done, it's been done. They don't mm -hmm. see it as in flux. Um, and that perception of knowing that it was done, um, not thinking about that actually jumping around in time all the time, um, you can move forward, you can move back. If anything, if you're being honest with yourself, the future is far more solid than the past was. Um, if you're going to talk about fated points, because yeah. you can guess more about what was fate, what is fated to happen, mm. um, is because you're constantly making choices that lead to an ultimate fate at some point, or fates plural. Um, I'm not saying like everybody has one thing they need to do, um, mm. which is what again a perception thing. But what I do like is that for people that talk about the fate um, or kind of memory of something that has happened, 
mm. as being far more solid than it actually is. Because bearing in mind what your brain does from a physiological point of view is every time you recall something, you're reforming what that was through a mixture of reminiscence and recall. Mm -hmm. So something that you have talked about a lot over and over again, so say you fell and broke your leg when you were five, mm. you're now 40, you have told that story enough times that you have embellished it, you have mm. changed it, and it's kind of like when you copy over and over and over on um on a piece of paper and you rub it out and you write it on again and you rub that out again and you write it on again all the impressions overlap on that piece of paper from every time you wrote on it because you applied pressure and you mm. made a mark to the point that you've got this very firm outline of what you think is is what you drew on the paper but you've used that paper over and over again every time you've recalled it um and kind of memory does that thing um i to me i can't help but which will be lost on anyone that isn't a millennial i guess or older um is the idea of the vhs tape mm, yeah the, the re-recordable one and every now and again where it fucked up you'd get this little blip of something that used to used to be recorded on it um, because it jumped when it was recorded, um, when you wrote recorded over it, and you get these kind of blurry moments between one and another. That to me is kind of exactly is is exactly what memory is like. Mm. It's this fluxy, fluid entity that we try and make solid for a moment, and then we let go of it again, and it goes fluid again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those kind of, is it those, um, is it Newtonian fluids? The ones where you pass a current through and it suddenly becomes solid? I'm not sure, actually. Um, I'm not good with big words. Someone will correct me. But yeah. there's, uh, there's like Newtonian fluids or something like that, where they're liquid until you until you pass a current through and then it has a solidity moment and then you let the current go and it's back to being fluid again. Um, ah, and a Newtonian fluid is one whose viscosity is not affected by sheer rate. Yeah. Does go. not change the viscosity. This viscosity, air and water are both Newtonian fluids. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. So yeah, so it's that it's that changing state, um, and people trick themselves into believing that memory is somehow um, a a truth or a fact. Um, you know me. I love I love the word fact. When people throw the word fact at you, and you're like, mm. it's a fact. No, it's not. Do you actually mm. even understand what a fact is? The fact is a commonly accepted truth. Mm -hmm. um, as we get more information, a fact changes. Mm, yeah. Uh, it is That's not a fixed true. state. Um, you know, anyway, I went to go on a rant about Bible bashers then, but I'm not uh, going a, to. A fact is not what I suppose you could call a certain truth. Yeah. So a fact is not a certain truth. 
Um, right, okay. So we may have lost a couple of people. So this episode, <laughs> they tell for the time being, was uh, uh, recommended by one of our dear patrons, Anyanka, who we spoke to earlier. And she was talking about this book that she read called A Tell for the Time Being. Me or Chris, neither of us have read this book, but she says it's very good, right? So we don't know what the book's about, to be honest with you. She did launch on a big thing into a big, like, explanation of it, and it sounds somewhat head fuckery in that. But let's just go with the title and see where it goes, because we've talked a little bit about stuff from the past, and I suppose some people do every now and then use these... Uh, thought experiments and that can you do a spell to affect the past and, and shit like that so I don't know whether we're going to give you the answer to that but let's go and explore that how would one explore that a tale for the time being which means there is a tale written down but that tale could change a story a tale like someone's life for example there's this uh, quite famous uh, quote which is something along the lines of we all stand on the shoulders of giants right now i like to think of people's lives and people you know what they're doing currently so the present is all built upon the pyramid of the past so if you yourself get a block and then put that block down and then you stand on that block and put another block or a couple of blocks down and you step on going up almost in a pyramid but you yourself have built the pyramid or and standing on that pyramid that pyramid is comprised of blocks of decisions and things that have happened to you and that you have done that are all in your past so you are today in the position that you're in and the person that you are partly due to all of the things that happened before yeah now if you were to take one of those blocks everything shatters like a house of cards so if you're putting all of these cards up together making a little house of cards or tower and then standing on the top assuming that you're light enough to do that you yourself might be a card to say if you take out those cards or one of them below the whole thing crumbles down which basically means the past is a jumble, is a mess. That's why people often refer to time as like weird, lucid, timey-wimey stuff. Because if you view things outside of time, you are no longer one of those cards at the top of that tower. All you see is a tower of cards with the full ability to collapse it and remake a new tower, changing the order of the cards and such. That's what we talk about at higher level magic, yeah, so multi-dimensional magic, right, because the lower astral realm and everything below that, which is the physical world, is subjected to time as a rule and a law and quite a solid thing, right, that would be a tale, a story, right, but it doesn't mean that that cannot be rewritten, you just cannot rewrite it whilst being part of that tower, because if you do, you being one of those cards are also going to collapse, right? So you need to escape that, go out of that. Some people call that crossing the abyss, Chris, don't they? In it. I do. So let's talk a little bit about the fates, potentially why there's three of them. We can talk about triangles and we can first, I think, talk about conversation that me and Lady Poison have had once or twice before. Because obviously in that magical tradition that they're a part of, secret 
they ha there is a goddess of fate, which is cooler fate, right? Now, it's young Cochranites and young Welsh witches and that, I believe, are asked, you know, is fate a thing? Can you change your fate, you know, or is everyone on a you know trajectory that they cannot change and so on and so forth and and she's often said about you can't change your fate but you can change your fate which basically means if you kind of change something and decide on another outcome then fate is itself changed which from her perspective i suppose she thinks of things in terms of well if i could go down the long route to get to the shop the country lanes and that and then end up getting involved in an accident or I could go the short route and go down the motorway or whatever and go to Costco down the motorway and then I might not get into an accident you know changing fate and such if you understand what's going on down the road you could potentially change your fate you know change things change things that are supposed to happen now, personally, I think this is bullshit. So I don't think that you can change your fate. I don't think that fate is changeable. Um, from my perspective, being a professional witch, I have a certain perspective, okay? So it's not really about being right or wrong. It's about my perspective and how I view fate and how I view changing fate, right? Because you can make a different decision so you say you don't want to get involved in an accident you know you're getting going to get involved in an accident because the tarot cards have told you dang that route right but you decide to go down the other route and you think you've changed your fate i don't see that as changing your fate because what you have to remember is you are a bigger thing so although you in your current experience have changed that and are experiencing what it's not like to die there, there'll be another part of you that is. Therefore, you as a greater whole have not changed your fate. What you've done is you've said, oh, that candle's hot. I need to snuff the flame out, but I know it's going to hurt me fingers. I know I won't do it on my right hand. I'll do it on my left hand. The left hand's fucking hurting but you're holding your right hand up and saying, but look, my right hand's fine, my right hand's fine. That's the one I write with, that's the only one that matters to me. I don't view things like that as a witch, a ma magical practitioner and such, because obviously I view things from a, the perspective and an experienced perspective as a greater whole. So I see and I feel that, well, actually, some would say if they're thinking in a linear perspective, kicking the can down the road, other people wouldn't necessarily say that you know, if they experience it because you were experiencing it as all of these things happening at once. So from my perspective, you know, when you talk about multiversal theory and that kind of thing, you've made both decisions. You yourself can decide this decision. But have you really, truly escaped fate? Well, not necessarily. You've just escaped experiencing that fate right now in this body but that doesn't necessarily mean that you've experienced that you have have defeated fate because those fates don't get defeated like that right what would you say to that um i'm gonna i'm gonna merge that the answer for that with a kind of description of the fate um mm. to kind of give you that context um 
So, yes, I don't, I like I said, I see them as milestones. Mm. I see fate as a milestone. So whether or not you achieve that now or later is irrelevant, um, but you keep avoiding it mm. um, just to kind of reiterate your kind of concept mm. of avoiding it as opposed to experiencing it mm. um, just means that you're actually um, extending the time that you're going to have to spend in working towards it. Mm. So to me, all you've done is kick the milestone down the road mm. Um the milestone still needs to come and you will experience that. Um, mm. I have a tendency to look at it as most, as we often point out my um, bias about it. Um, I have a tendency to look at it from a Neptune point of view. Yeah. So to me, I see that it's a, there's a series of things that need to be completed and the Zodiac is a really great way of demonstrating that there are a series of milestones across that, across that, you know, that circle that need to be met for it to be complete um which means that you know i put very simply you avoid the st the the lessons that need to be learned in leo means mm. that you will have to resit that exam over and over again mm. um until you meet the minimum requirements yeah for completing leo um mm. <clears throat> So I have a tendency to kind of oversimplify the Zodiac as a really great way of dis discerning and describing the way in which that kind of Neptunian existence kind of mm -hmm. is there. Um, so I'm going to kind of push that on, I think, mm -hmm. to the Mori and mm -hmm. why there are three. Yeah. Obviously, there are lots of times where if you kind of go pre-Proto-European, then you'll mm -hmm. kind of get to, you know, when you get to the kind of Proto-European, there are more, um, mm -hmm. but they solidified into three. Mm -hmm. um, and so that we had that kind of understanding. Now, mm -hmm. to me, that's that that final um, final three that we kind of talk about a lot uh, in kind of um, planets when we did the yeah. planetary yarn situation. And I think that's a really good one. And the reason in why... I demonstrate it that way. Um, I feel quite, um, what's the word? Um, I, I can't think of the word I want. So kind of authenticated mm. is the word I'm going to go with. It's not the word I mean, but something similar to that. Um, by the fact that the more that they learn, a, kind of more they learn about string theory, the more and more it sounds like spinning. Um, mm. So the, or at least the kind of construction of textiles is kind of, you know, um, I was watching that episode of um, Big Bang Theory last night where they start, where, um, why can't, Pe Penny um, solves string theory right. um, for Sheldon, where they start to go, well, you can't, you can't have knots in string theory past kind of the seventh dimension. Um mm. And then, and then he suddenly goes, you know, unless we were to think of them as sheets. Um, and then it's so at that point, it kind of has that kind of concept of we're no longer talking about individual threads. Mm. We're talking about woven cloth. And yeah. therefore, you bend that entire sheet, that entire dimension, um, and then suddenly you can knot it. Um, mm. So, yeah, so the, I feel kind of, um, yeah, supported by um, by the kind of, 
metaphysics community. And the, the moral of that story, much like with what we're talking about with regards to fate, is that you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. They're not thinking big enough. And this is the big issue with the occult world, where there are these limits, there's these abysses, and there's these veils and such, because at that point, it requires a lot bigger thinking than the individual and such. So when you're getting past that, you are literally talking about the whole of all of those threads and all of that, that that is a garment or a piece of fabric, you know, that is no longer now, it's just your life strain. It's like, we are talking about that with fate, you are talking about that. Yeah. So kind of solidifying into those three fates, um, traditionally you have, they talk about them in this kind of terms, which actually, you know, not by accident, mirror what we talk about um, mm. when we talk about those top three planets. Mm. So you kind of have that that person that is spinning, the spinner um, mm. is the normally the first of those three. That obviously would be your kind of Uranus kind of point of view. That's something kind of forming out of nothing, mm. that kind of nothing, you know, taking and kind of forming um, where you have someone that then starts to a lot. Um, so someone that is measuring lengths of, of yarn accordingly um, is that second person that, you know, that Neptune person is there to the point that ultimately the third person is the one with the pair of scissors mm. who actually takes the cut. Now, the, that limiter would obviously be Saturn in mm. that kind of first triangle situation kind of going on. And those three are why we solidify down to mm. those three during during the kind of greek roman period that's where we've got this really fixed idea of what kind of astrophysics is starting to look like and mm. therefore is taking from that kind of planetary understanding of the kabbalah is what's kind of going on there at that time anyway mm. um so kind of starting to see why those three figures solidify mm. like that because obviously you know there are planets beyond uh, Uranus and if you were to kind of consider there are trees beyond trees um, you know the tree of life talks about you but that's in a forest um, we are oversimplifying it for our understanding of what can be comfortably understood from a three-dimensional living point of view um, when you start to kind of make that more complicated is mm. when it gets trickier for you to remember it and hold on to it in a kind of appropriate way. Um, but yes, I really like the description um, of the kind of three fates and why they're solidified in that way. I very much like. Um, obviously, the nice part is Saturn is quite movable. Mm. Um, and I don't mean from a non-limitation point of view. Uh, what I'm talking about there is on that tree... Saturn has a lot more movement than some of the other deity, you know, some of the other um, spheres or whatever you call them. Mm. They have a, another weird Hebrew name, don't they? The yeah, that's the one. So those, um, they, uh, you know, Saturn has a lot of movement there um, compared to a lot of the other planets. Mm. So, you know, you could accidentally switch and put Pluto in that third space if you really wished. But that would normally kind of, you know, fuck up some shit. Um, in if you were to replace that third fate with a kind of Pluto, like or getting to behave like it, because we often get yeah. 
one planet or one element to behave like another which maintains the structure so the things don't unravel this is what people don't get it maintains the structure so that the universe does not unravel and yet is kind of classed as cheating i think they call it don't they celestial cheating yeah um so yeah a, a lot of this is about perspectives and it will depend on what how you're viewing it and how you need to view it so when we talk about like the conversation i have with lady poison she's viewing it from one lifetime's perspective I'm not viewing it from one lifetime's perspective. So she views fate or is viewing fate in that particular incidence from her fate, as in her life fate. I'm not. I'm viewing it from another perspective, i.e. what is the price that you pay for it? Which brings us me into talking about professional witchcraft and our rule about not affecting people negatively for multiple lifetimes. Because when you get to the ability where you are moving a very solid outcomes or very solid things one of them might be fixing an incurable like a condition that science considers to be incurable if you do that that person that has that condition isn't going to have managed to fix that they can do the praying the deities don't answer if you may go to the scientists and the doctors they can't do anything their fate as it seems seems to be stilled because medical science doesn't currently have the ability to fix that problem in the future of course it might but not currently therefore that thing is very solid just because something solid of course doesn't mean they cannot be moved it just requires a lot more detail in terms of figuring out how it can be moved and a considerable amount often of energy in order to do that hence where big magic comes in not this little magic where we manifest an orange ball we're talking about things that are you are altering things that are attached to that this is where triangles also come in if i have say three pebbles and i arrange them one two three to form an equilateral triangle okay we know from a universal perspective from a structure that that triangle in order to be a triangle needs three sides and three corners three points yeah i can quite easily move one of those corners over a little bit and another one over a little bit to make a right angle triangle now that is changing it's keeping the structure of a triangle it's not cheating the system although it kind of is because that triangle is no longer an equilateral triangle it uh, sorry that yeah it's not an equilateral triangle it's a right angle triangle or if I moved it and extended it one of the points up, it would be an isosceles triangle. The important thing here from a magical perspective at a higher level, which I'm trying to condense down to something uberly simple, is the fact that I'm not breaking the fucking universe while I'm doing this. However, I am changing things, maintaining the structure and the balance, because what you need to remember is I've made this extremely simple. But in reality, this is more like a deltahedron, which is comprised of lots and lots of triangles in a multi-dimensional way, right? You're talking about all of these lives of your lives, which when you're interacting with something solid, i.e. a corner, then we are making a big effect. And because there are other triangles that are connected to this triangle, because it's a big three-dimensional shape, you can Google deltahedron 
it makes a big impact. And this is the reason, you see, this is the reason why that sort of magic is solid. It's because you're normally influencing a small event that doesn't have a major knock-on or isn't really big. As soon as you're trying to influence a big event that other things are tied to, i.e. other lives that might be yours, but also might be other people's, that's a very, very big thing. And if energy is required to move something, the more solid something is, the more of a foundation that that solid thing, event, whatever it is, actually is, and other things are built upon it. Now, if that's not a mindfuck for some, I don't know what is. But either way, hopefully we've satisfied this Atel for the time being. And we didn't really answer the question as to whether you can affect magic in the past, but we kind of also did. I suppose I just need to go away and actually fucking think about it instead of asking yeah. for the answers for all the questions, memorizing and regurgitating. <clears throat> Anything else you'd like to add, Chris? No, all the answers were there. You just need to be smart enough to find them. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>